Right, gang? You like to watch new stuff, right? I mean, who doesn't? I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama, a new season of The Kardashians starring the Kardashians, of course, and Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 247, episode 4 of The Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast Mm. where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It's Thursday, July 28th, 2022, which of course means it is the 28th of... of, Yeah. Also, Buffalo Soldiers Day. Okay, if you're not familiar with the uh, like black uh, regiments in the Civil War, the Buffalo Soldiers, this Mm. is a day to celebrate the the irony of having them fight for their own liberation in the Civil War. But yes, heroes no less. Also, National Water Park Day, National Chili Dog Day. I don't know if those two go together because I feel like yeah, I mean those those two (laughs) go together and like could go together on a good day. Right. On a bad day, not so. Yeah, that was that like potential disaster. Yeah, but and also uh, National Milk Chocolate Day. This is pretty pretty solid. <laughs> milk chocolate, not chocolate milk. Yeah, I We're mean, not getting, like, shit. No so spooky holidays. I love a water park. I just ate a chili dog this past weekend at uh, Griffith Park at, at the snack bar at Griffith Park. Adventurous. And I didn't I didn't get sick from it, so I count that as a win. I had I'm not joking. Four hot dogs last night at the Dodgers. Game. Oh yeah, you went to the Dodgers game. Did they win? <laughs> by the way, because now that I wear a Dodgers hat, people will like wow, just look at me and be like, ah, the fucking Dodgers, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, uh, man. Oh, about, those guys. About that, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, we we lost. That was ah! it. Was it came close, but then fucking, I think it was like Juan Soto or somebody just, just took us took us home. Uh, right. But I'll, anyway, I had a ton of glizzies, so call me Glizelda. 
uh, because <laughs> it's just nonstop glizzies over here. Well, not even at the AK. That was a AKA aperitif. Uh, oh, yes, and a moose bouche. Yes. Uh-huh. All right. Well, my name is Jack O'Brien, AKA Mike Breen. Mike Breen. Mike Breen. Mike Breen. Curry hits a three and you yell bang. <laughs> Courtesy of Schweitz at Schweitza on Twitter. And I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. And I said, did you go see anger management? He said, <laughs> I did. But then I walked out. And as I recall, I quipped, you're a real tough guy. Then I put him in a rear naked choke. And <laughs> Christy Yamaguchi main at Waffle House, just very accurately describing the tale of my old high school you classmate. Putting being someone a in a chokehold. Tough guy. Because they walked out of a movie you hadn't seen. I don't know. Again, I still can't speak to what in my weird hey, adolescent man. ego. We're all going like. through some shit in adolescence. Yeah. Adolescent 9-11 boys. just happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to blame it all on 9-11, but it <laughs> certainly you. didn't help. Thank you. Uh, Thank well, <laughs> we are thrilled to be joined once again by a very funny comedian, actor, presenter, and host of the podcast, Probably Science. Yes, yes. You know him from such things as TV. Mm. It's Matt Kershaw. Hey. What's Hello. up? Welcome. Hello, Matt. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. I'm very good. I'm happy to be on back on the show. How are you yeah. guys? Great. Good. It's I, I had no idea it was National Water Park Day. I nearly went to a water park last week and then decided against it. And now I feel like I've let the side down. What happened? Well, I was in Vegas and I was looking for things to do during the day. And, uh. Uh, and I couldn't I couldn't muster enough support from the other comics. And going going to a water park by yourself is suspicious at best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just always be like just like call out for a child <laughs> as if yeah, you've lost someone. Look, Has look anyone worried. seen my kid? <laughs> Matthew, Matthew, I, I, I wonder if he's halfway down this ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah just... exactly. Have you seen a Have you seen a kid just go down here? All right, I'll just look myself, man. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna yeah. ride single rider, single rider. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where is he? <laughs> Did you find your son? I'm, I'm so sick. worried. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you find your son? No. Go to a water park with goggles on. That's a real creep <laughs> move. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. goggles well, and a snorkel. Snorkel, yeah. If don't wear a scuba mask to a water. We yeah. did doubly screw up though. Uh, on that same note, because uh, <laughs> so we we didn't go to the water park. What we ended up going to was an American Ninja Warrior contest. Oh, oh amazing! Shit. It was at the Orleans. That's what I thought. It was at the Orleans Arena, and it wasn't televised. So I figured like some of them will be great, and that'll be amazing, and some of them will be less great, and it'll be doubly amazing. And then we get there, and all oh, those Ninja Warriors look young. Uh, they were all pretty small. We go to the box office and like, what's the deal? And he goes, yeah, they're all kids. Uh, and we go, American Ninja Warrior Jr.? Yeah. And we go, it's ticketed. And he goes, yeah, $30. And, uh, oh, and we were no. like, I, I think if you pay 30 bucks to watch children exercise, y- you end up on a list. Yeah, for sure. And and deservedly so, probably. Yeah, me and the other comic, we sort of went like, I think we should leave. Yeah, yeah, we should definitely leave right now. (laughs) We (laughs) should not be here. Even just being in this building is a step too far. Is a casino cameras on us. And yet, I think that would be kind of fun to watch children just like dominate and like do things that I could never dream of being able to do. Yeah. If it was free entry, 
if it was free entry, I think we would have got if it was like five bucks as well, we right. would have maybe gone in, got some drinks yeah. in, started like yelling at kids. But I think thirty dollars is a suspiciously high amount to pay. Right. If especially if right. you don't for have exercising any... children that we are not in any way related to. <laughs> right. For having no relation to any of the contestants, spending thirty dollars signals to the world that you think it's worth the money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and that's where you have to defend yourself. You're like, but thirty dollars? You're like, yeah, no, some of these kids I've been following for a while. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm really excited about some of these guys. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I guess it would be like really impressive kids and then like wildly dysfunctional families there supporting them. (laughs) Oh, there were like, there there were adults going in with teeth, with like wearing things like sweaters that said like Ninja Mom and stuff. Yeah. Wow. They are competitive parents. I didn't even know it was a thing. Let alone yeah. that it's enough of a thing that there are competitive parents about it. Either did I. I didn't realize about the Ninja Warrior Industrial Complex. Proud Ninja like, Mama. <laughs> that we're even like getting them young, like being like, hey, man, you make sure your kids are like competing young or else they're not going to have a shot. At yeah. Ninja Warrior stuff. <laughs> it's just gotta... Yeah, they don't develop the muscles right if you don't get them ninjuring by the age right. of 10. Ex- like you hear that in other sports, right? Like football yeah. or like soccer, right? Where they say like, look, if you're not like playing in a some kind of academy setup by the time you're 12, like you don't even bother no, yeah. like thinking yeah. of playing professionally. When I guess I wonder if like there's some con artist ninja warrior guys like, look, man, your kid looks look like they love the jungle gym, man. But if they're trying to get serious about ninja warrior, like they need to yeah. be in the gym yesterday. Yeah. Right. <laughs> just, and no four yeah. square, no anything except they need to be a one sport athlete american ninja <laughs> war no foursquare no british ninja warrior no no, oh, God, no. uh nothing else <laughs> no canadian be, yeah they better not be uh you know meddling with that trash original ip sasuke which came from japan which yeah, even inspired the whole thing not. it's all about american ninja war don't just yeah. ignore the original stuff <laughs> wait oh, ninjas man. didn't come from america Oh, I look, the jury's still out and I'm half Japanese and I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah, Um, this is (laughs) this is something Miles and I always disagree on. He says they didn't. And I'm like, come on, man. Let me I I got about 30 movies starring Chuck Norris to show you. Why does Donatello have an American accent? (laughs) Oh, shit, I didn't even thought of that. All right, Matt. We're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of the things. We are talking about today, we're going to talk about the ongoing PSYOP uh, being perpetrated by the mainstream media, trying to get us all to go back to our shitty jobs, go back (laughs) to the office. We will talk about imposter syndrome and whether that's actually what's happening there. All of that, plenty more. But first, Matt, we do like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history? So I, I've already given the game away a little bit because two, th- a couple of things in my search history are Waterpark Vegas and American Ninja Warrior Vegas. But I can tell you <laughs> the other thing we landed on, which was Monster Jam Vegas, because that was the last thing I I was th- I was in Vegas for a full week and I was pretty bored during the days. So Monster I, Jam, yeah, I don't even know. Is it that, that sounds... is that is okay. monster trucks? That is a monster truck tournament. Hell yeah! Big wow. trucks. Huge tires, doing backflips, jumping over things. It was and delight. it also 
that the addition of jam makes it feel like they're getting to like you know go off book a little bit just like jam, just noodle around oh, yeah. with the monster truck <laughs> just, like it's just, just a monster jam yeah freestyle just, in a, just anyone, in the monster anyone truck. with their own truck can kind of sit in <laughs> <laughs> just, it's just a jam baby we're just getting down uh, at the monster hey, truck uh, rally hey do you mind if I, I brought my truck if do you mind if I just you know <laughs> do you mind if I jam with you guys sure uh, yeah. I mean I'm in the famous truck called grave digger but what do you got i got this uh oh one chevy s10 with a tunnel cover we could kind of vibe out with it it's it's mostly made from a cigar box uh (laughs) my granddad made it (laughs) yeah been passed down for generations it's been through been to a few jams wait was grave digger present because i feel like at monster jam i only like it used to be bigfoot was like the monster truck that in like the 90s bigfoot and grave digger were both oh yes then it's I mean, a proper monster jam <laughs> at the Thomas and Mac Arena. That's exactly it. That's yeah, where it I was. Mean, that's the only place it can be. <laughs> some, I like, thought it was I, like some like '90s hip hop remake of the Monster Mash, but <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad it is what it is. I've definitely heard from like people who I wouldn't expect necessarily to be monster truck fans, just in the traditional sense, being like, I went to a monster truck rally. It's awesome, and now. That is something I'm into. Like, I identify as a monster truck person, you know? I, like the, I, I don't know if I would put myself that far in the category, but I'm definitely fair. someone who gets bored on the road doing stand-up around mm. the country and looks for things to do. And, you know, maybe I'll get something I could talk about on stage out of it, or maybe I'll just get an experience out of it that I can tell sure. people about or just What's, enjoy myself for a, for a you, couple of hours before I go back to the hotel room. For you, what's been the most fruitful sort of, like, experimental event you went to like in the same vein you're like holy shit i got a lot more out of this in many levels than i thought i would oh that's a great question i don't i honestly don't know i i i think some of the ones that were just surprising like going going to a laser tag in a (laughs) with another comic that was that was a lot of fun that was just like i was expecting i hadn't been since i was a kid and i was like all right let's see how we go and then it was just you know, we we absolutely murdered the kids. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I, just I realize this is not a theme now. It's Wait, just like real. You were using lasers, you, you know, you're doing right? stuff during the day, and most people have real jobs. So if you go and do these things, it normally ends up just being a couple of idiot comedians, and then just parents' a kid's birthday, <laughs> like a seventh grade birthday party. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's I went what to it a is. seventh grade birthday party, and I was like, I'll let the kids have their fun, and then like. One of them shot my kid, and then I was just on a rampage after like, that. Like, give me the fucking blaster. <laughs> yeah. like, give it to me. I was, me. like, not doing fun stuff. I, was, I like, found a good spot and then just, like, sniped the hell out of, like, everyone. <laughs> yeah, just uh, being full-on like, Rambo. Yeah. Just, Wait, just so we're first blooding it. Were you playing yeah. at UltraZone? Yeah. I told, we talked about this. Yeah, where you got, where you used to work. Where I used to work, and Dr. Dre watched me uh, make me very uncomfortable. Clean up a birthday uh, did party. Did you go there, too, Matt? Was that, was that where you went for for laser? Tag? No, where's where's Ultrazone? Is That's that in the one? valley, it's... like in Sherman Oaks. And we don't even need to tell people that usually, Justin. You can cut that out because Ultrazone is nationally famous. Obviously. Everyone knows where Ultrazone yeah. is. It's the one surviving place. Actually. <laughs> did you go to Ultrazone? Oh, did you was it Ultrazone then? Oh, Ultrazone? No, what is that? Oh, it's probably Ultrazone. No, that's actually the first thing that Miles had on his uh, resume when we were like thinking about yeah. you know bringing him on for this show was a proud alumni alumnus of Ultrazone. Exactly. <laughs> and no, no follow up, just Ultrazone. That's it. Yeah, that's all you need to know. Is 
is a week the longest time you've ever spent consecutively in Vegas? And follow up, is it the longest time anyone has ever spent consecutively in Vegas? Because that, uh, that feels like a long time to be in Las Vegas. It is a very long time. I would say I would say Penn and Teller have beaten that amount of time by <laughs> several decades. But other yeah. than that... Yeah, but they have to get out. Like, Wayne Newton. <laughs> they must travel every day. Well, two. they definitely don't live on the Strip. I'm pretty sure they live in nice houses and then commute into the right. casino. Yeah, I would say... That is exactly five and a half days longer than you should ever spend in Vegas. <laughs> I got Vegas, that Vegas is fantastic for about 36 hours, and yeah. that's that's the limit. I had yeah. to work on a Senate campaign there for oh, two right. months. Jesus. And Were I, you on the strip? Dude, just like literally one block off the strip. Like wow. at the Candlewood Extended Stays fucking hotel. That's even worse. Oh, (laughs) that's even worse than being full strip. Matt, you have no idea. This was like right after the subprime like crash. So there were so many displaced people living in this extended stay like hotel. Like on Halloween, like kids were trick or treating, and like I had like a front row seat at like the financial collapse of America. And I changed at a molecular level being there (laughs) for two months. I'm not gonna lie. It it definitely put something put some pep in my step to get the fuck out of politics. All right. What is something that you think is underrated, Matt? Underrated. Well, this is going to uh, I've got really into the the women's Euro soccer yeah. tournament right now. And I don't know if it counts as underrated because it's it's getting huge and in the UK it's selling out now. They're selling out stadiums, but they were playing in front of like 50 people recently and now they're paying in front of tens of thousands. So, I don't know if it is becoming appropriately rated as we speak, but it's been awesome. Yeah. It's fantastic. Hey, you hey England coming home huh maybe going to the finals going yeah. to the finals and looking actually good so I, i'm excited about that yeah they beat the, they beat the brakes off of sweden 4-0 I, i've been watching too because i love like i've there's so many players i root for for on the england team and other teams uh but yeah, yeah it's it's really really it's a great it's a, watch it's a great atmosphere. we also have we have season tickets to angel city which is the the new, oh, yeah, women's the new soccer club. team there and it's yeah. again just awesome it's yeah. great it's cannot recommend highly enough like women women's soccer just firstly the game's good but also just it's the most enjoyable atmosphere you go in there and it's just it's it's the most positive supportive (laughs) it's it's families and then like every lesbian in the greater los angeles area and (laughs) it's just a great time it's it's just like really like it's just like every it's it's really queer it's really female friendly it's really family friendly it's just and but also just really competitive and hyped up and it's it's fun just yeah. like men's soccer, right? Just, just exactly that. <laughs> exactly just that. Exactly on the terraces in England in the 70s. Exact <laughs> right. same, same. Exactly vibe. that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Racial slurs you've not even considered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, right. Ones yeah. that will confuse you. Yeah, exactly. You've you got to un- you unpick it like a crossword like, clue. You're like, you have to work it out before you know to be offended. You're like, what's it? Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, do you think that's what they meant? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. That That is okay. Oh, hey. <laughs> Wait, so they were like they were playing to 50 people and then I mean 50 like, is like an under, 50 is a little bit of an exaggeration but right. it has been yeah they they've been playing in front of like a few thousand and in you know, in the smaller stadiums on. and stuff and it's just getting bigger and bigger and because the tournaments in England the England games in particular they've been selling out oh yeah Premier League grounds and the final is at Wembley Stadium and it's already completely sold out so yeah that's so that's, cool I don't know what Wembley's capacity is, but it's in the 
I think it's high like five figures. Yeah, it's like, I want to say like, like 70 or 80,000 something. 90, actually. It's 90. 90. Ooh. There we go. Damn. Yeah. And also, shout out Beth Mead, who's the top scorer for England and the tournament, also plays for Arsenal Women's. Okay. Oh, I can. As, just as you moved your head, I saw the Emirates logo. Oh, yeah, just... yeah. You saw, yeah, you saw the kit. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm totally gunner brained. So I'm like, I'm like, that's why, like, I'm watching everybody. I'm like, look at them all flourish. <laughs> I love it. Mm. Wish the Dutch did a little bit better, though. Yeah, me too. I, uh, I think it's implied. I'm at, I'm at me too. I wish the Dutch did better. Uh, saw the Emirates logo. Totally know what that means. And uh, excited about the, this as well. What's something you think is overrated? Uh, I was torn on this one. Can I have two? Because I couldn't yes. decide between sweet potato fries and the Beach Boys. <laughs> um, all right. Let's, let's, I, I think sweet potato fries is a great call and pretty self-explanatory. Let's go in on the Beach Boys. Just, just too twee and diddly. I just can't do it. I can't do it. I'll give you, I'll give you some of Pet Sounds and, yeah. uh, like, uh, and, when Brian Wilson went really off the rails, but yeah. that was basically just That's Brian fine. Wilson by that point, just in a in an acid casualty cocoon without the Beach right. Boys. But most of it's just too just too diddly for me. Yeah, even Pet Sounds. So I am a Beach Boys fan. Mm-hmm. Even Pet Sounds, I feel like you have to sometimes pretend they're singing in a different language that you don't know to appreciate <laughs> it because the words are like so it's like wait did an 11 year old write this song like the the yeah. like arrangements are beautiful the instrumentation like the production is so incredible and then it's like wouldn't it be neat if we yeah, got look, to, i'll give you yeah, the, li- yeah. the lyrics of god only knows i'll give you that yeah, but, yeah. Right. yeah just, but yes yeah which, I mean, there's a sweetness to some of it, but I, yeah, sometimes I'm just like, I'm going to just turn the language receptors off in my brain <laughs> for this one. And sometimes that's okay. But I, I do have to defend the artistry of Mike Love, not just my favorite Beach Boy, maybe my favorite artist of all time. Yeah, right. uh, this man is responsible for Kokomo. He's responsible for telling <laughs> Brian Wilson to fuck off with all his creative cleverness of pet sounds. One of He's responsible for flashing uh, thumbs up and wearing a captain's hat about uh, 50 times in every performance that I've ever seen of him. Just took being a, a world-class piece of shit capitalist to uh, levels of <laughs> artistry that I, I don't think anyone... And it, like, he was the person who, like, kind of sent Brian Wilson off the rails. He was like, Pet Sound sucks, dude. Sorry to tell you. We can put it out. It's not going to sell. And then it didn't sell. And Brian Wilson was like, <laughs> fuck, I'm the worst. And stayed in bed for, like, three years. What was the intersection with Charles Manson? Was it like the drummer that was friends with him or something? One of the Wilson brothers, I think maybe Dennis Wilson. Yeah, the was, drummer. Yeah. Just like Charles Manson was just like a sociopath who was like hanging around everybody that was he famous his, and wanted to be famous. They lived in his house for a while. Like the, the family actually lived in his house for a bit. He, rec- he yeah. got him to record a couple of songs with him. Yeah. And when you listen to Charles Manson's music, like I do every day, just to get <laughs> just get myself right in the morning. For the show. Yes. Uh, Be a morning just constitutional, ready. just out yeah. for a little walk with your headphones on. <laughs> it's, a, it's like heavily, 
heavily influenced. <laughs> it's like if I just all of a sudden tried to record a Beach Boys song. <laughs> Alexa, place Charles Manson on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, don't do that to people, Miles. <laughs> is, is, is there an iHeartRadio Manson channel? Is there? Like... Oh, you better believe it. Yeah. Well, Sirius, you got to check out Sirius XM's. It's just 24 hour Manson family uh, demos. It's just old Rush Limbaugh episodes they play. And then just occasionally Helter Skelter by the Beatles. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Just to kind of spice it up. I think one of the motivations for like the killings at like the Tate LaBianca murders was that they were going to that house because that's where a record producer lived who had like turned down his demo so like his whole thing was he just wanted to be famous and he was like well hanging out with the beach boys didn't work i guess we'll go with this and like and to be fair mission accomplished yeah yeah i mean i i know his name probably i knew his name before i knew uh dennis wilson's name yeah so in your face dennis wilson wow half a century later he's still being spoken about on a radio show yeah exactly exactly Wow. I just like the idea that th- there's just this one anecdote where it said, oh, it says when Wilson took Manson, an aspiring musician, to record at his studio, Manson had a disagreement with Wilson's producers and ended up pulling a knife on them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. But this was the also the, the wall. this was the 60s. So, you yeah, know, that's just I don't think that's that unusual behavior for a musician. He said they're just like, oh, he's one of those temperamental ones. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's how they would just settle disputes was always the uh, beat it music video style where you <laughs> tie your, your hands together, together and like do the knife dance. Yeah. <laughs> you think Phil Spector didn't pull knives on recording engineers all the time? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Phil Spector stayed with his knife out. And then when, <laughs> just... when it was a special, when it was a special time, he would start fi- licking off shots. Into the wall of sound was actually a bunch of knives on a board <laughs> that he would move closer to the performing <laughs> artists to be like. <laughs> All right, Matt, Miles. Yes. Let's take a quick break. Okay. We'll come back and we'll talk about the news, shall we? Agreed. All right. Gang, customers are rushing to your store, but do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it, you know, like a literal POS? Well, you need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in person and online sales into one source of truth. Connect with customers inline and online. Look, you want to use TikTok? Well, guess what? They have plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns on platforms just like that. Get hardware that fits your business, take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Now, I was looking at Shopify.com, and I'm trying to get some answers. Let's say, uh, you know, I had a bustling retail business, and I need, you know, maybe uh, some hardware to be able to sell my wares on the street, take credit card payments, whatever. And I know Shopify is easy to use. Half the time I buy something online, I'm like, oh, yep, they're using Shopify. And if you need to learn more, check out their website. It's super easy to navigate, whether you have questions about how you can optimize your inventory or, again, looking for hardware to make sales easier, Shopify.com has all of that. Just go there. Check it out. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash TDZ all lowercase, go to shopify.com slash TDZ to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash TDZ. You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, 
Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring The Kardashians, of course. And season five promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island. And secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. And we're back. And uh, yeah, we're just checking in. We like to we like to check in with the continued psyop that's happening and. In your Bloomsburg, in your uh, fortunes, where where they're just trying to make people feel bad about leaving their jobs and like trying to take some uh, autonomy over their own careers, they're like, man, people people don't like it. People regret know. that they did that. They're you could coming that. back and saying sorry, daddy, to their old employers. <laughs> exactly, where they have to crawl through a dusty like fucking crawl space like Homer when he has to beg for his job back from Mister Burns, and he's all like. Yeah. <laughs> Is this well, is this an op-ed by any chance written by uh, Jonathan Boss of Management <laughs> Company? <Co-Chris>. Right. <laughs> by C. Montgomery Burns, actually. Yeah, but just... so, like about a week ago, you know, we brought up this like constant back and forth, and especially the financial news sector that kept waffling between people are quitting, help, what do we do? Into actually, Gen Z hates remote work, and that's a good thing. So people who like remote work are dumb. 
was sort of like the gist of it. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I, and also, Arthur, commercial landlord of commercial yeah. landlord Inc. <laughs> exactly. Believe that people hate working remotely. The young people do not like it as well. I asked a group of ninth graders what they thought of remote work. They don't fuck with it. And it's like, yeah. that's not a good sample size. So in the last two weeks, now we're seeing fucking headlines like this. This is from Bloomberg. <laughs> Millions of Americans regret the great resignation. Huh? Then Fortune magazine with the uh, financial yes and comes through with the great regret doesn't mean employers are off the hook. Now, see, this is I, I, I like to see this balance that's coming out with pieces like this, because the first headline serves as an announcement that um, actually people regret looking for better prospects and outcomes for their lives. But keep in mind. What when, they, when you look at the sort of sub headline, it says about one quarter of job leavers rue the decision. Oh, that's so th three quarters oh. don't. <laughs> yeah, three quarters of people are glad they left their job. <laughs> so really, 75 percent of people that left their jobs aren't regretting it. Maybe that's the fucking headline. And I like that they can use it because it's the American workforce. It can sound like millions, but let's not get away, get ahead of ourselves. You said 75 percent. love. That it. is higher than I and I think most people would expect like that somebody leaving their job just because they're like, nah, fuck it. Like, I don't really like this job and I'll find something better that 75 percent are like that actually worked out is right. pretty like incredible yeah. like this is not what i would expect that's awesome so the, there's a lot of projection in it also just like projecting desire and intention onto what's actually just sort of pragmatism and right expediency like just people who weren't being paid for a job during the pandemic and were being given benefits stopped doing that job and now a lot of those benefits have been taken away. They need jobs again. Right. right. And so have had to apply it, it going like, oh, these people did this for this and did that. No, they just they <laughs> they just did the normal thing that everyone normally does, which is right. weigh up a basic pro and con cost benefit analysis of do well, I need to do this job that I hate right now or do I not need back. to do this job? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, well, what? look who needs rent. And so now <laughs> it's actually to Oh, you regret yeah, that decision, well, do you? Well, at like, any yeah. given time, most people do the least bad job that would give them enough money to be able to survive. Like that's, that's yeah. just all that's happening. And where, where that line is moves up and down depending on circumstance. Right. And that's all that's happened. That line has just moved up and down. I think, yeah, and it's really just trying to have reckon with the like the fact that the the initial shutdown from the pandemic really gave people a moment to pause and like reset their expectations for themselves. And guess what? 75% of those people were like, I did, I made the right move. And maybe the other 25 probably fell into a different situation. They might not be like, actually, I actually went to a job I didn't like out of necessity more yeah. so that I regret leaving it. So right. Sure they're still, they're in, still there. in the American workforce. It's not great. It's not great out there, but like, not at yeah. all. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's not like everyone's just doing luau's now. <laughs> yeah. It's also that like, th I mean, this is a net gain. 75% of people leaving jobs they like for jobs they like more is a net gain. And that was made possible by the Great Resignation, which was made possible by the government, just giving the least amount of assistance, just like a small <laughs> amount of assistance that would give people breathing room to be like, all right, now I can actually like look at my life and think about like things for with like some objectivity instead of just being right fucking check to check every single day and like and think about how much happier that has made america overall and the working from home thing 
like I'm not a hundred percent advocate for working from home. There are things that I think, like I, I, I think writing rooms, like TV writing rooms, are still better. I love being in a room with people bouncing off them. I think the energy is still better than being on Zoom, but mm-hmm. you don't need to be in there all the time. You can do a lot of it remotely and then have like the kind of meetings. It is just hammered home how much of most jobs is just busy work and giving the appearance of working and how much of it is just bullshit as a result. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the last two years have done more than anything else. It's just really pulled the curtains back and just shown how much of most jobs is acting the part and completely unnecessary Yeah, and yeah. showing willing. Yeah, exactly. Capitalistic pantomime, basically. Right. Uh, for people yeah. to be like, yes, yeah, see, I am creating value by typing on keyboard and then talking to my friends <laughs> for the rest of the other six hours that I'm fucking yeah. here. Yeah. I, turns out I can do this job in three hours a day, but I have to still appear to be here eight hours a day to give the justification for this job. Right? No, why not just, if they're getting the job done in three hours, pay them for those three hours what you would pay them for the eight hours. Yeah, right. Matt, the last time you were on, I was I was out, but that was before the pandemic. So you don't know this about me, but before the pandemic, I had just a, a slick to the side hairdo, three-piece suit at all times, and a pocket <laughs> watch that I would check religiously every 90 <laughs> seconds, take a deep breath, and just uh, mop my brow a little bit. So, yeah. and then right, you're pausing only to dip your quill in a pot of Yeah, wow, <laughs> yeah exactly. Furiously t- writing down notes on your parchment <laughs> paper. Uh, and then saying, mm, that won't do, that won't do. Um, <laughs> that won't do. But then this like Fortune article is sort of like yes ending it, but trying to give like this. It says the great regret doesn't mean employers are off the hook. And what they talk about me, it says like, hey, just because some of these people fucking regret trying to better their lives, it doesn't mean you, the employer, can just fucking skate by with your toxic workplace and like, you know, expectations of employees, which is sort of like threading the needle in between where it's sort of like yes, ending the idea that like a lot of people are regretting it. And I'm sure some people do. But then like sort of giving maybe someone who's reading this the false sense of security or like or being like, oh, okay, this this sounds good because now they're sort of trying to signal to the employer class that they have things that they have to do in order for me to go back to fucking toil for, you know, a pittance when we're trying to have a living wage. So it's just sort of it's interesting to see how like the they all kind of work together to kind of be like, all right, now we're in the new phase of saying people fucking regret seeking better opportunities. Right. <laughs> Don't be too hard on them out there, fellas. All right. We know they yeah. fucked up. All right. And they know they fucked up. So just uh, go easy. All right. Don't don't. Don't be trying to get them back to work by offering better conditions and pay and <laughs> right, anything yeah. like that because because well, they regret it. So yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know what's so, so let, let's let's keep let's not let's not have any kind of inflation of pay or uh, or, or or benefits or anything like that. No better conditions. Just we'll just we'll just keep everything the same, and everyone will eventually, hopefully, come back. There's this other thing, right? Then Fortune two weeks ago had this. This is in the fucking same section. Many people who join the Great Resignation regret it. And it means bosses can take back power. What the fuck? Wow. Is that an opinion piece? Like, for honest, like I, I'm really curious. That... Um, don't worry. What if it's an opinion or analysis? Like, it's right. fucking, it's real, dude. It's fucking real. And Holy shit. they go to this other thing that they're saying, like, yeah, man, a lot of the people who say they miss it, they miss their work family. 
Their like, work so, family. Yeah. Oh my God, they're doing the thing. They're legitimizing the uh, CEO talking point of, look, uh, welcome, welcome to the job. But really, you're not being welcome to a job. You're being uh, welcomed to a family. We're really yeah. a family around here. And as has been pointed out, that means you're about to get fucked by whatever job is telling you you're a, you're a family. Yeah, because you can choose. You can't choose your family. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a dysfunctional, abusive family where we actually don't truly give a fuck about you, but we pretend to, and you still have to like hang out with us, but you can't, you can't really get away with, get but away from us. The other thing too is like, this is really instructive where they say, like the people that regret it. This is from this, that article where it says, bosses can take the power back. The biggest reason workers are feeling quitters remorse is that they gave notice without another job lined up. Yeah, that sound, that's, again, practical. That sounds like the group of people who'd be like, I fucked that up, huh? I just quit the job and didn't have any other prospects lined up. Now, I get sometimes you quit because there's no fucking, you're like, I, there's no way I can continue at this job. But right. that seems like pretty spot on for someone who, like, so did, you know, of the people who were, who quit a job and not having a job lined up, do you regret that? And yeah, what, 40% are like, yeah, that was bad. And then they're saying, like, look at this, man. Now you got the opportunity for what they call, quote, boomerang employees who will return to daddy. Yeah. Wow. And some of those people regret having, like, taken a dump in the CEO's office and then yeah. burning the parking lot down. <laughs> like, right. Those, yeah. Those guys regret it. I 100%. shit on his laptop and then closed it on the shit. <laughs> it's like that. I shouldn't have closed it on the shit. And we might have been able to salvage this thing. Yeah. Because there's no amount of rice that you can put that in now. That's no, right. yeah, yeah, that's pretty much useless. But yeah, like of all those, I honestly think that one fortune one that says like just because people don't like aren't, you know, maybe only three quarters of people don't regret going back doesn't mean you can't, you know, adjust your shitty workplace. I mean, I think that at the end of the day, that should be the one thing that if it does feel like usable information for an employer is that like, dude. The biggest thing that most people fucking hate about a job is the work culture or the office culture or if it's toxic or feels like there's no place for them to be well, human. Step and also one. they're not paid enough to have, feel like they have any autonomy. Right? Oh, Jack, if you read if you read in these other articles, they say, dude, some people don't care if they're not getting paid as much if the environment's chill enough and they like the people they're around. It's like if they get it's wild to read. trap things from a se secession. Right. <laughs> or from severance. Sorry. Right, right, right. It's just wild to read, like, just sort of how that's articulated to, like, to these people. Too. It's like, hey, dude, they'll fucking take shit money if it's, right. like, more funsies. Right. Yeah, one um, ping pong table is worth, like, 30 grand a year. I know, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> how many, what's your, yeah, what's your bean bag? Bean bag to, like, mono stool ratio um, right. you know, yeah. in your office. What's your bean bag to health insurance ratio? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like, it, it also makes sense of the fortune thing that, like, they, so they published the article that was, like, transparently, openly, and somewhat aggressively uh, sociopathic that was, like, employees regret quitting and now you, here's how to pounce and take advantage right. of them. And then, like, somebody in their editorial room, again, we've talked about how, like, People in journalism aren't like they they're not like churned out by like the CIA. They're, you know, people with souls and uh, working brains. So somebody in their editorial room was like, uh, that like that came off really weird. Like we should do something else. And like so two weeks later, they churn out this one that is like. 
the great regret doesn't mean employers are off the hook. So it's like that's their counterbalance. But it still takes place in a universe where it's like, oh, these little fuckers are so screwed, man. Yeah. Well, well, it still takes place in a universe that where the great regret is an an assumed truth. Yeah. That people right. will be reading about in history. This thing books. that's definitely <laughs> true doesn't right. mean that this other stuff isn't also valid. But yeah, <laughs> right. Oh man. Uh, anyway, so continue to advocate for better outcomes for yourself, and don't listen listen to these fucking nonsense articles that are just meant to pacify people. Especially ones in articles named after billionaires who are only ha- have a thing because they're billionaires, or named after a euphemism for billions of dollars, fortune. Right. Euphemism for exploiting people's labor. <laughs> right. Fortune magazine. Soldier of. Well, mm. Never mind. All right. Let's Soldier take a quick of break. Love by Sade. We'll be right back. <laughs> you like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring The Kardashians, of course. And season five promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now and it's waiting for you on Hulu. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics, in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So I've had this thing uh, kind of bounce around my head about imposter syndrome for a while. I, well, no. So I, re- I read a really cool article on imposter syndrome in Blood Knife. This is a uh, publication that I highly recommend people check out. It's also the source of that conversation we had a while back about the complete like neutering and desexualization of all like modern blockbusters and like how the sex has just been as characters and actors have gotten like more and more buff and like indistinguishable from one another in terms of like how what they look like in in movies they've just completely removed any sex from like the most popular movies in america it was a very interesting article so they have a new article on imposter syndrome that i thought is it was really interesting i think i feel like it Ties into our recent conversation on social media, making people unhappy. And just right now about bullshit jobs. Yeah, about bullshit jobs. Our conversation about Sunday scaries. We actually had a listener reach out after that conversation saying that like their Sunday scaries went away when they went from, you know, unfulfilling spreadsheet work, basically helping employers make the case for postponing people's raises to working on behavior tech for like children with disabilities which that that makes sense it's like right. uh, when i started doing something that was like fulfilling not it didn't pay as much but it was like fulfilling at a deeper level i stopped having existential dread on sundays so anyways the the essay on imposter syndrome basically suggests that we feel like imposters like it starts out with talking about like tina fey and meryl streep are two examples of people who are, you know, Meryl Streep, one of the finest living American actors, Tina Fey, one of our greatest joke writers, and they've both talked about how they feel like imposters. And we've always just treated it like it's a pathology of, like, you know, the difference between how great you are and how great people say you are and then, like, what you feel like on the inside. And this essay basically posits that we feel like imposters when we get success in the modern American system because the system itself is empty and basically designed to, like, make rich people richer at the end of the day. So is is it kind of arguing that it's not that, say, Tina Fey feels like an imposter as a creator of 
TV and movies of of comedic content, but she feels like an imposter for being part of this Hollywood machine because of her incredible talent at making TV and movies. Yeah, and because, like, so it it talks about how people who suffer from imposter syndrome a lot of the time are upwardly mobile. They're people who have experienced, you know, they're not the people who are like the CEO's son is not experiencing like imposter syndrome when the CEO makes him COO because they've like never known anything else. It's people who've like worked their way up and then they get to that level and they're like, oh, everyone is suddenly like treating me or paying me in such a way that like like I've like escaped the human condition but like I know all the people who I worked with on the way up are more talented than any of these dipshits like up here and like I see like how arbitrary the success is and like the you know the just the whole design of the system being you know designed to just deliver success via nepotism or via like a college degree or something like that like something that is it's just a sense that like it delivers rewards in a way that is like not doesn't make any sense and it, and like you can kind of take a moment once you achieve success and be like oh this is the whole thing is like bullshit it's like yeah i got here randomly and yeah. like or it comes out in survivor's guilt too i know for a lot of like marginalized people yeah too just like when you get up there it manifests in survivor's guilt you're like why me of all the people because i know other people who look like me or come from similar circumstances who don't have a third of the opportunity and you begin to be like well then what the fuck do i have like maybe but this is bullshit i've i've definitely experienced that myself where i was like felt guilt over the fact that I was upwardly mobile and was like, well, what the fuck does that mean? And I think what's important, though, to even point out about imposter syndrome is that when that the, when that co- the term was coined in the late 70s, the people who did that study had like they, they didn't they didn't they never actually factored in like what like classism, systemic racism or like xenophobia, those kinds of biases like how that actually factors into how people experience their lives too. And like in the Harvard Business Review, they were also saying like, there's an interesting way to even look at imposter syndrome. Like there is that feeling where there's like a disconnect between what value you feel you're providing versus what you think is valuable. And then also this idea that you will feel like naturally marginalized people, women, women of color will are going to feel like imposters because they're just, they're absent from representation in a lot of these spaces or they experience a lot of microaggressions or just up just straight up aggression racism whatever when they get to these positions so that adds to this feeling of feeling like oh shit am i supposed am i supposed to be here and so it's like it's very like multi-layered which is really interesting and like and a lot of people sort of advocate for it rather than saying hey what's wrong with you why you got imposter syndrome it's like why aren't we dealing with the environment that's creating these people who are like very unsure about themselves too? Because that's a lot of this is a reflection of the environments that people are like existing in. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like that, and they also point out like those who have actual jobs that make sense and produce genuine value for society, like teachers, farmers, firefighters, cooks, truck drivers, make significantly less money work under more dangerous conditions and are generally not the people who are struggling with imposter syndrome, you know? I don't like, know, though. I know I know a bunch of teachers who have imposter syndrome as well who are, like, in <laughs> front of 
But like, uh, I know. I also oh, I know what you like, mean. Like, they're like, uh, what, my I, idiot I, friends who I'll be up with until like three in the morning. And they're like, oh god, I got to teach like French tomorrow. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they're like, oh, why is um, anyone listening to me? Right. Exactly. They're like, they think I'm a, like a responsible adult, and right, <laughs> an idiot. They're like, I just bought a bunch of tickets to a kid's ninja warrior event. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we recently talked about like just a, this idea of like a lot of the issues that we have attributed to, you know, different ills coming like social media. We see a lot of stories about social media, you know, causes people to be unhappy and the American workforce causes people to be unhappy. And it's like it, I feel like it's all kind of part of this modern gestalt of like just you know the the condition where it like existing inside a system that no matter how much like you subscribe to like the rise and grind and like i'm i'm on you know i I believe in the american dream type shit like there's a part of you that can't be tricked that might not be conscious it might not like be Uh the part of your brain that you even put language to, but like, you know, it, and this article says about CEOs and the marrow of their bones, they know they're imposters too. Like when they're, when they're like, oh yeah, I should, I should make like thousands times more money than like my lowest level employee, you know? I'm definitely, yeah, I'm definitely 5,000 times more important to the creation of this car than the guy who puts the brakes on. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And like on social media, which I think we all like kind of a lot, a lot of us, I won't say all, uh, I know like some younger people who have smartly just been like, oh, yeah, I don't fuck with social media because it's so, right. it's so toxic. But like, you know, on social media, like, you know, is making people unhappy. And th- the like, it's a gameable system that delivers no value to the intended audience or the creator when you win, really. You're competing to make the apps better at robbing people of their free will. Like, it's... And, I like, I, I, I wish I was more online in some ways, and I wish I was better at playing the game, but because it's it does have value. I, I've got friends who are great comics who have found their audience through various social medias, and, and now people come out and see them live, and that's... And they wouldn't have done otherwise. And I, I, that makes me really happy for them. But there's a part of me that just balks at all of that. Like, I technically have an Instagram. I post on it once every six months or so when I remember to do it. Right. It's, like, uh, I, I use Twitter a lot more and I wish I didn't. But yeah, it's, I, I love Twitter, but like it's I and I think like part of what I like about Twitter is it is the worst at marketing. Like it sucks at marketing. Like they, I've never clicked yeah. on a Twitter ad, but like, whereas Instagram, I like check Instagram once every couple weeks and like almost like the, the only online ads that have ever gotten me to make a purchase are on Instagram. Like Instagram is a very powerful marketing tool. And I don't know, like the it's QVC. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's not that it's like, Facebook, and it's creepy how much Facebook knows about you. It's just right. creepy how much it has yeah. its tendrils and in how you. they can triangulate. It's like, oh, it's like this person likes this food and like this kind of music. Guess what? They're and, gonna like this cooking product somehow. Yeah, and, and even like, more oh. more specifically, like this person was stood next to these three people at these three times. So I bet 
Right. Right. Bet yeah. She wants to buy this hat. And you're and like, oh, God, you're the right. The whole That's- thing is being fueled by like the collective brilliance of a extremely underemployed generation that is you know, smarter than any generation before. That's true of, like, every new generation. And, but, like, they, you know, all all the wealth is being hoarded by the older generations, and they're just, you know, toiling away on these social media projects that the wealth is being extracted to, like, a handful of billionaires in a suburb of San Francisco. And it's like... Yep. That, that's it's not a just system which in turn is ruining san francisco (laughs) right exactly and it's the whole you know it's not that social media is necessarily bad it's not that people who feel like imposters are imposters it's that they are all feeling at some level that they are you know the entire fabric of the system they exist inside and strive to succeed in is actually designed to make rich people and their kids richer and keep other people from getting their money and like it's it's that simple like when you like more and more we're just seeing like oh that's it like that's it all goes back to that like they're affecting the political system and when you succeed you realize that probably more than you did when you were like working your way up and it you notice the how arbitrary and like pointless a lot of this shit is and i don't know i i also feel like we've like specifically with regards to social media we've lost our free will more and more because it is like brilliantly designed to market to us and And they nudge us in a little direction yeah just yeah and you know replace whatever your wants like it it does not want you to be satisfied it wants you to you know feel unsatisfied and feel like you need to purchase something in order to like whether that's in a broad sense of like a purchase buy into a lifestyle uh it's it it, our whole like inside like that i kept thinking when i was like thinking about this the past couple days of that part in Stranger Things where they like cut the kid open and it's like cotton balls inside because it's like a a replica thing and like I don't know it I think that is a potent metaphor because we are like filled with artificial like metaphysical circuitry at this point it's just all it's all been packed in there and it's like circus peanuts in the inside. I feel like sometimes like it's just, yeah, it feels well, a bit like, cause it's not just keeping you unsatisfied. It's keeping you constantly anxious. And yeah. just mm-hmm. it reminds me a bit of the way that people who are addicted to cigarettes, like cigarettes don't actually make you calm. They just reduce the uncalmness of, of craving a cigarette. Right. Yeah. So exactly. that, like, that's what it does. Like you don't need this. The cigarette doesn't calm you down. It just stops it just stops that tension and unpleasantness and anxiety you feel because you have a craving for nicotine and then it's it's sated. <laughs> and it sort of does that same thing. It just keeps you just on the edge of anxiety constantly so that it can then re- take away that anxiety from not having this thing. But right, yeah. it's not actually bringing you joy and calmness. It's just bringing you the absence of that lack of calmness. Right. And I think that's probably at the end of the day, that's what so many people are like, grappling with is trying to like reconcile this like what you're told is how the world works and who deserves what and who gets what and then you experience it and you're like wait this is so fucking weird like 
I think of just how hard I've like, like had to work to, to try and find better jobs to try and like be in spaces where like I could feel like I could use all of my talents properly. And then you get to some places and you really, you begin to question, you're like, why can't everyone fucking just be happy? Like, why can't they, why aren't they able to pursue what they want to do? And why is everything so fucking finite? And not that we have to live in a utopia where if like, if you want to be in the NBA, you can be in the NBA, but at least have the like freedom to pursue these things. And like we look and that sort of in turn kicks off a whole examination of like your life circumstances and things like that. And you're like, wow, like it, everything's so fucking arbitrary. And because of that, it also feels like violence for the people who aren't like somehow get to pull of like a proper number in the cosmic lottery of like existing. And then you're like, but then we're also sold this thing of like, hey, everybody can experience happiness or whatever, or like have a living wage and things like that. And you look and you're like, that's not the fucking case. So why the fuck do I get it? And I think that also sets off this other like existential dilemma for some people, too, as you look inward and trying to like reckon all of these feelings, have a reckoning with all these feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. They, social media is specifically it's just like you're taking the sharp and spear point of capitalism and sticking it in your brain like the capitalism has gotten very good at marketing and social media is like all of those things like brought together and it's just constantly like it, it is the most like the closest that humanity has come to the singularity because it's just yeah. using all of our collective like brilliance and like the movement of human thought and you know applying it to itself and using that to just like rob us of our free will and so. uh and you can find me on twitter at matt kershon <laughs> here and we go instagram at matt underscore kershon i was literally about to end the show and ask you where people could find you so uh <laughs> right I, full circle, I am guilty baby. as fuck of all this stuff no and but i think that's what's interesting right is that there are, there are many levels of people who I think are just in touch with their own anxieties, right? Like, Matt, you know yourself well enough. You're like, I don't know, man. Like, I wish I could use Twitter like I see other people use it. But for me personally, I'm just you're you're wired in a way where it's like it doesn't quite you don't, you're not seeing the benefits that you would from using it. In fact, yeah, you're feeling I'll, like they're I'll, more I'll even do things like I'll, I'll move it over a screen in my on my phone. You know, you you know, I've got I've got the social media apps in a folder and I'll move right. it onto page four of that folder. Yeah. And then three days later, my thumb reflex has just adapted to just go like, three OK, swipes. when I open yeah, Twitter one, two, now, I, I tap on the folder and then it's just one, two, three. Yeah. Swipes it, instead of just one swipe. And it's just yeah, it's there. And it's just and it just becomes right. like a new automatic. It takes an extra two days to yeah. learn the new automatic move. Yeah. And I had the same thing, too, where I was feel like I just. A certain part of me was like, ah, oh, this like I, I when I was younger, I was like, I'm just using this to like stunt on people all the time. That was yeah. all I was using it. So I'm like, watch me be in this place. Watch right. me be with these people. And I was like, this is for my fucking ego. And it's like the most temporary fleeting shit. And I was like, this isn't really giving me anything of substance. But I enjoy like seeing other people do things. And I try and put myself in the bracket of like a social media user who like knows their own limits with how it can affect them and yeah. tries to like healthily navigate that. Then you have people who are completely off of it. And I think you also have people who are completely immersed in it and might not actually be seeing 
what it's what's happening to them because self-awareness yeah. doesn't come easily or cheaply in a lot well, of especially instances. not now and especially when you're in the you know grips of the most powerful marketing tool in the history of the human civilization you know right. that so, that makes self-awareness pretty pretty hard to come by right and it, that's why i think i try and like find the positives in it and like what you're talking about matt too is like connecting to people like being able to disseminate ideas that are positive and things yeah. like that versus I, I still i'm trying to get better at curating my twitter as well like i'm trying to sort of unfollow or even block any anything that isn't just in, someone who shares interesting stories or someone who shares funny jokes like right. if, just like try i'm trying i'm not uh, with limited success but i'm trying to get out of the kind of like so he said this and he said that and like you say and then i i'm gonna dive in and just you know dunk on someone to massage my ego just to and then they get angry and then i get angry. it's just, it's right it's not a healthy way to be not at all and i think it's important to note too like right like you're getting we get so worked up by a fucking plastic rectangle with glass on it like yeah. we're not if we put that down we can experience like more you know, substantive, deeper relationships with people and even strangers on the street. But like we well, let's it, not get carried away. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I tried. I high five strangers <laughs> all the time. Uh, a lot of times I get left hanging. But well, I think at the end of the day, <laughs> it's realizing how much we're surrendering to like this, which which essentially is a device too. I think is another was an easier way for me to sort of contextualize what my relationship is. It is to this is like, oh, I'm giving an outsized portion of my consciousness, my attention to this like illusion that i have on my phone when i could be spending that time to just sort of be more present and to be more mindful and things that will help me you know actually navigate the chaos of our world than feeling inadequate constantly or not having the latest graphic jumper set yeah i would just say the only piece of media you really need is this podcast thank you <laughs> that's don't worry about any anything else you just need to listen to us uh, twice a day <laughs> and uh yeah yeah and you're good Maybe more matt truly a pleasure having you yeah. on uh the daily zeitgeist where can people find you and follow you well thanks yeah it's been a joy thanks for having me again so yeah like i said twitter at matt kershon or instagram like which i'm technically on matt underscore kershon and then Probably Science is my podcast. We go through the week in science news with comedians. So uh, nice. Probably Science on any all of the various podcast apps. How are you feeling about the web the web pictures and what, what we're getting back from the web telescope? It's exciting. I like it. All right. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, there was that worry that it might have been damaged a bit more than they first thought by micrometeorites, but looks like it's still giving some pretty amazing things. So yeah, it's, it's very cool. Mm. Is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? <laughs> this is, uh, yeah, this is this is so dumb, but uh, th this is just a really so stupid video, but it really made me laugh. This comic, Matt Hyten, who does uh, various video, he he's just superimposed Rishi Sunak, who is one of the two people who may or may not be the, the next British Prime Minister, into an episode of EastEnders while he is doing a very bad job of pouring a pint on a <laughs> public meet and greet junket. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's really silly. It's really simple. And I love it. It's, it's Rishi Sunak, politician, trying to do the thing where he goes, meets the public and looks natural. And for some in Britain, by the way, this is just, I don't think they do this in America. It's just a thing in Britain where politicians, you know, in America, they might go and like eat a sandwich in a cafe or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Have a hot dog but, at the fair. 
Exactly. And one of the things they have to do on that note, if you're a British politician, is stand behind a pub and pull a pint. And that's just a thing. And Rishi Sunak, who, by the way, I believe is teetotal and certainly looks out of place in any kind of pub setting, but he chose this as his place to do the press junket, is doing an incredibly bad and slow job of pulling a pint. And he's just intercut it with the soap opera EastEnders with people standing in a pub looking furious at him. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, yeah, you're, you're, I'll, I'll give you the link. It's it's a delight. It's it's simple. Amazing. It's stupid. It's, it made me laugh out loud. I always love those like cultural things where like a politician, like it's like you didn't fucking kiss a baby. You didn't yeah. go to the fair to eat a corn dog. You fucking communist. And I like <laughs> it's like you didn't fucking pour a pint at the pub. Hmm. Oh fuck! You're yeah, fucked. you 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 did it. You did pour a pint, but you did it slowly. It took right, a right. while. You fool, <laughs> Miles. Where can people find you? What is the tweet you've been enjoying? Uh, let's see. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray. Check out the latest episode of Miles and Jack Got Mad Boosties. Dropping uh, this morning. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic episode with Jasmine Watkins. Uh, also check out. If you like 90 Day Fiance, well, why don't you check it out with me on 420 Day Fiance with Sophia Alexandra. Duh, let's see, a couple of tweets I like. First one uh, just feels so accurate to all the sneakers, sneaker heads out there. Camp Arm Eric at Eric J underscore D tweeted, Nike's current business model is, hey, remember the shit your parents wouldn't buy you when you were 12? Well, here it is. We doubled the price, but you have your own credit card now. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's feels that's right. about fucking accurate uh for me because i think as a kid when i whenever i wanted more than one pair of sneakers like a year like for the school year mom's like that's why you get a job and mm. that's why now i have that's how i justify all my sneakers but i'm trying to i'm quitting i'm quitting mm. uh, and another one is from at molly lambert the great molly lambert tweeted a cool thing i do now is when the internet isn't loading fast enough i say come on jack to it in the <laughs> joe biden voice and, you know, there's nothing better yeah. than hitting up with a good old Biden Jack. How you open PDF Jack? Was that how the quote open, from that? Yeah. How do you yeah. open PDF Jack? And it was that <laughs> While picture of him licking an ice cream. 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 <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien and on Mad Boosties with Miles Gray. That show is really fun. I have yeah. a lot of fun doing that show. Very stupid. Uh, go for the stupidity. Stay for the... Fuego basketball takes. <laughs> I I just really like uh the shirts that go hard. Twitter recently liked one. It was just a black shirt with white writing that said Elvis is dead, Sinatra is dead, and me I feel also not so good. <laughs> and there was another one that was similar design, single and ready to get nervous around anyone I find attractive. <laughs> You can uh, find us way. on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Miles, what song do we think people might enjoy? Oh, man. I mean, we were just talking about Pet Sounds, right? One of the fucking greatest albums of all time. No, fuck that. Well, here it uh, is. <laughs> yeah, well, fuck that. We're actually going to go out on this artist called Not The Twos, uh, who I believe his original, what's his real name? Something Maxi. Uh, and I don't want to say the basketball player. Tim Maxi. 
Uh, I know it was a T Maxi, but I didn't want to go the wrong way. Tim Maxi. Like, uh, like I would forget and call Therese Maxi Tim Maxi. Tim Maxi, uh, I know. And yeah, I was about to call like Tim Maxi Therese Maxi. But <laughs> he, you, okay, so he started, he's a producer and collaborated with Kendrick Lamar and Mr. Brown, the Big Steppers. And you've probably heard, exactly, Unified in Grief. And basically like a theme throughout the entire album. He's, he's about to put out some solo work under the name Not The Twos. And this track is called Paradise. And if you, you'll recognize the vocals very quickly, but he does it in a very, like his own way. He's like a multi-instrumentalist producer. And it's got this like, kind of like, I get almost, if the, if the Manson family band had like fucking swag, they might sound right. like this. Yeah. So yeah, check this out. This one's called Paradise by Not The Twos. Had some like children ghosts in the in the vocal yeah. arrangement and just like spooky drums with a lot of yeah. reverb anyway it's really it's a really dope track and i'm looking very much forward to the rest of the work from not the tubes all right well the daily zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit visit the iHeartRadio app apple podcast or wherever you listen to your favorite shows that yep. is going to do it for us this morning back this afternoon to tell you what's trending and we will talk to you all then bye bye Here's something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Switch now at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Zeit gang, you like to watch new stuff, right? I mean, who doesn't? I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama, a new season of The Kardashians starring the Kardashians, of course, and Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.